Hello and welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lefebri. And my name is Jessica Tercero. And this week we watched a classic Firestarter. We watched Firestarter. Uh, I was going to follow it up with something else. Uh, but I couldn't think of it on the fly. So props to me. You know, we got Firestarter. It's a cinematic take on a classic Stephen King novel um, starring the iconic Drew Barrymore, an absolute stunner. Jess, what is your history with Firestarter? Do you have a history with Firestarter? Do you start fires in your free time? What's the deal? What's going on? Well, I mean, fire in person in real life, yes. Camping when I was a kid, that was one of my favorite things to do because I could tend to the fire and make it bigger. But Fire Starter, the movie that we just watched, I didn't even know it was a thing. Like, oh really? I, yeah, I know. Like Stephen King has like a thousand stories, and I know that a thousand of them were turned into movies and are now being remade into movies. Hello, but. I never really knew about Firestarter, um, but love Drew Barrymore. That's that's my thing. Same. So. I mean, for me, similarly, I've never seen Firestarter. It's been on my watch list forever because it's like a la Carrie. It's one of the classic Stephen King yeah. uh, roles, especially with like a young, young, young Drew Barrymore as the lead. I'm like, Fresh out of E.T., I, right? Literally. So I'm like, I there's no way I can't not watch this. Um, but alas... I'm 30, nearly 30, and I've never seen it. So um, apparently it wasn't that important to me. <laughs> but it's still, I mean, I'm still really happy we're watching it because I've always wanted to. It's its always looked cool. It's looked interesting. And I love Drew Barrymore. we have I mean, how many of her movies have we done? Just the one? I think just the one. But uh, we are going to go on the record and say that we are a Stan account. We are, officially. Um, and the other one is really only just the, the cameo, the intro. So uh, this is like the first official Drew film we're going to kind of dig into, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, same. Totally. Um, I'm excited because I, again, had no idea uh, like this movie was not even or story was not even in my peripheral, like, yeah. you know, pop culture vision. But I'm delighted that I watched both films for different reasons. Mm hmm. For different reasons. This podcast is great, and I'm glad that it broadens my horizons. Oh, me Here too. We go. And I do want to just say to the audience at home or wherever you're listening to this, I don't know if you're at home. God, that's so presumptive. Um, you might be driving. My voice is going to be a little fucked. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I did lose my voice, and so I'm still like, coming back from that. Um, so if it gets a little, <laughs> if it gets a little <laughs> scratchy or squeaky... Just think it's cute and don't comment on it. Thank you. You know, I didn't notice yeah. that until you pointed it out. So and I know um... now it's like a little pony. <laughs> it's a little horse. You hear a little, a little chalk scraping. Um, <laughs> should we dive in? Is it crazy to just jump I, crisscross I think, style? Uh, do I need to push you to to start the next segment? Do it. Do it. Ready? Okay. Uh, mind powers. Uh, hold on. Let me turn on the oh, fan. No blood. Oh, no blood. Let me turn on the oh, fan behind go. me and have my hair like. <laughs> Honestly. So uh, I mean, you do have a fan on you. You just need I, like. I literally um... do have a fan at my back. I just do not have the hair to billow. Uh, unforge.
As college students, Andy McGee and Vicki Tomlinson took part in an experiment involving a hallucinogen called Lot 6 conducted by a government agency known as The Shop. The drug had horrific side effects on the other participants but gave Vicky and Andy telepathic abilities. The pair eventually married and had a daughter named Charlie who started to develop pyrokinetic and telepathic abilities herself at the age of eight. One day, the shop decides to kidnap Charlie to study her abilities, killing her mom in the process. However, Andy comes home and successfully saves his daughter before she is taken to their facility. Flash forward a year later, Andy and Charlie are still on the run trying to teach Charlie to control her power and make the best of things with the shop close at their heels. On their journey, Charlie and Andy meet farmer Irv Manders, who offers to help them on their journey. Unfortunately, agents from the shop quickly show up, and though Irv attempts to shelter them, Charlie and her dad have to use their powers to escape. After a quick stop at Charlie's grandpa's house, shop agent Rainbird catches the pair using tranquilizer darts and carts them off to the shop headquarters, where they are each given their own luxury suite and bribed into allowing the agency to study their powers. Lonely and lost, Charlie befriends Rainbird, who poses as a janitor to gain her trust and convince her to do the experiments. Charlie plays right into the manipulative plot and allows herself to be tested, while her father fights back against the shop director and uses his powers to plan an escape. Unfortunately, Charlie tells Rainbird about their escape plan, which leads to complications during said escape, resulting in Andy's death and Charlie's total destruction of the shop and its employees. Charlie then heads back to Irv's farm, where she is welcomed with open open arms and tells the story to the press Firestarter. um first and foremost i want to just say drew barrymore is a fucking star this is not like a new take this isn't like anything interesting it's just like she's amazing at what seven six like she's so good at acting whereas most child actors are like children they're children in this it's like she's an actor she's good she's arguably better than her dad and it's so wild to watch them do scenes together so frequently where it's like he's like doing something and then she's she's like genuinely just like crying on top of him and you're like this is a star drew barrymore is a star (laughs) um no wonder she was like beloved at such a young age she's so good at this she's She's so good at doing this like she really is especially at this age where like certain roles that like just lean on her to be the star like she is the star of this movie this movie is about charlie and that's one of the things that i really like about this movie is it centers her first and foremost where the next iteration um centers the dad and it's awful and it's gross but this one um charlie is literally fighting against her literal objectification right like of her person for various reasons whether it's like to use her powers whether it's rainbird being like obsessed with murdering a child you know all of that and i love that her father as like his power as a cishet white man is the power of influence right and he wields that both as a weapon to protect her but also as like a tool to like uplift her he's using it to obviously like get them out of these like you know situations where his daughter is going to be harmed um does he kill people with it sure but like The way he uses his power on them is like very dominating and very this is like, you know, making space for her and her to exist. Right. But then when he's talking to her, 
all he's doing is just empowering her, right? So like he never has to use the power specifically on her, but just like says these like wonderful words of like, you know, like, hey, you didn't kill your mom. It's fine. I've got you. You can do this. Like one of the lines he says is you're all I got, but I'm happy about it because I'm crazy about you. And like the the chemistry that they had together, like he's like he has his arm around her while they're like driving and stuff like it was honestly so incredible and so sweet where he was never centered in the story. He never centered himself at all. He wasn't ever like, oh, poor me or anything. He was like, I have to provide for her. I have to make sure that she's safe and she's going to have the best life she can in these circumstances. And they absolutely do. Like they have fun. He yeah. lets her be a kid, even though nothing is normal about this situation. And, you know, like everyone else is like trying to like turn her into an experiment or kill her or like, you know, just like these situations that wouldn't allow for her to be just a child. And he yeah. still makes that space for her in this. Yeah. And I mean, we see that super early on, right? Like when she accidentally sets her mom on fire, like he's like, this is your fault. What the fuck? And then as soon as she's like, wait, it is. He's like, no, it's okay. You didn't mean it. We know you didn't mean it. This was an accident. We know you have this power. We know it, but that's why we're working on it. And we know we're working on it. Right. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, great. So it's it, even in this terrible moment, they're both just like, no, this is like, this is okay. She didn't do this on purpose. This isn't deliberate violence. It's just, it's just a circumstance. It's just circumstantial shit. And we know it and we love you and we're going to help you. And like that is sort of the crux of their relationship throughout the whole film. I think the big thing for me with this movie is I love it because of the general base allegory. I've never read the, the, the story, the Stephen King story, but I'm assuming it's relatively similar just yeah, in this. The, um, I read an article talking about it and this movie is pretty similar to the novel okay. the next one just went off the fucking rails but oh. this was the this was the original story which i love it's it's it also it's, great. it's literally an like it's an allegory for feminism it's an allegory for mm-hmm. like literally dismantling patriarchy like that's the story it's all of these men who are like like that whole scene when they're discussing her as like a possible doomsday device in this office so like well what happens when she gains autonomy what happens when she realizes her yes, power exactly. what happens when she wants to do this so like we have to kill her before she finds that out and you're like oh yeah you have to strip women of the, the ability to feel autonomous and to feel their own power because if they do you're fucked and that's the whole point of this that's the whole point of the conversation around feminism and this is an allegory for that is so compelling and cool because again also who's her right hand man literally her dad who was like like you said earlier, using his power of cishet white influence to control and allow them to move about the world safely while all the powers that be are literally trying to uh, strip them of their power and strip them of yes. their agency. And you're like, yes. Oh, yeah. So as a story, it's fucking cool. Like base level, so fun, so cool. I'm so into it. I had no idea that that. Me neither. That this was going to be this movie. Yeah. And like watching this, I was like, this is fucking it. This is it. This is so cool. And everything you said is also like magnified because like of the absence of women in this story, right? Mm. The mom, we don't even really get to see her until like a flashback later in the movie where, you know, they're talking about how mom and dad got their powers. And then, you know, there's that scene that you were talking about where um, she's trying to like toast the toast, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, which is <clears throat> so silly. And mom is like 
dead you know like she is killed because like just just for existing right like and shoved in with the ironing board she falls out with the ironing board yes uh because that's a woman's place that's where she belongs right is silent in the linen closet with the cleaning supplies yes yeah thank you which Um, i mean not to not to even add an insult to injury but isn't that closet attached to the kitchen like i feel like it's like the perfect place for it in this allegory of like literally big air quotes putting women in their place crazy exactly so then like moving forward the next woman that we see is herb's wife i i forget her name but she's there and she's existing and she survives and everything but she survives because she keeps her head down because she does you know the chores because she's like you know when irv was trying to stand up and i want to talk about irv because i really like him after we finish this part but like where irv is like you know what uh get me my gun i'm gonna stand her and she's like no 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 don't get involved he's like look we're already involved i'm not gonna be like you know this is what the nazis are like i'm not gonna be a person that sits here and enables this kind of behavior and does nothing and she's the one that's kind of like has to be coerced and to be like okay because as an older woman you know having to exist in this world for so long the way that you survive is not getting involved just kind of doing what you're told and just looking the other way when anything happens right like that's how you exist in this world and then the last woman that we see, which is just for a second, she's one among the many like scientists and like that's studying oh, yeah. Charlie. But she's like nothing has no speaking lines is on screen for maybe like two seconds. But so those are the two portraits of femininity that we get outside of Charlie, right? Is we get the one that's a rebel that is, you know, teaching her daughter how to, you know, control her power and how to exist in this space, right? And she's dead. She gets killed because that's that's not allowed. That can't exist. And then the older woman who has survived, but she survived by literally just making herself as small as possible. Yeah. Um, so I really like that. And I also really like the powers. It's such a good allegory for feminine power, right? Where like... Also, looking at how she develops her powers, the first thing we see her do as like, I'm going to make a decision to enact change in the world with this power is they're walking through this airport and she looks over and it's this like army guy who's like, I don't know you get away from me. And it's this pregnant woman who's like, I have your kid. I'm pregnant and you're the dad. And he's like, I don't know you. We've never met. Why did you come here? Blah, blah, blah. And Charlie is like witnessing this. And she's like, this is so fucked up. Like she's like eight. (laughs) (laughs) and she's watching this happen and she's like and she understands what's happening yes and this is like the first moment we see her make a choice to do it and it's not just like accidental she makes a decision and it's very specific it's very directed we watch her inflame this man's shoes out of nowhere and he runs to the bathroom and like jumps in the toilet or whatever it's literally the perfect story device because it's like she is enraged and inflamed by this type of sexist behavior, this type of like patriarchal rigidity and nonsense, just like this anti-woman shit. And she's like, that's bad. Fuck him. Flames. And you're like, oh, this is literally perfect. (laughs) And without even like questioning like, oh, well, maybe he isn't the dad or anything. Like she's 100% on the woman's side right away. She has no time to not believe other women. She is like on their side, which again is something that Irv's wife would not have done right she would have been yeah. like the cop is probably right because the cops are always right or whatever also yeah. i love that the cop ended up in the toilet i think that's so fun oh, <laughs> it's so funny um 
and and with with her powers with with that right like that's that's where we start like on knowing her like oh shit that's really cool but like her her journey to like accepting her power really started when in that in that toast scene right where um where she's trying to burn the toast and you know she's afraid but she's like oh no i i don't know if i could stop it you know and then she ends up burning her mom so her powers are used kind of arbitrarily at first but from that she like has all of this fear right because she's afraid that she killed her mom even though she didn't kill her mom right she she burned her and that like that alone like hearing her mom scream she's so sad so um so terrified when you know she was using her power for something that didn't really mean anything right and somebody got hurt so knowing that her power um, needs to be directed and, you know, l- learning that it has to be like cared for and directed in a certain way. Right. And then um, so she's afraid of it. She starts she swears that she's never going to hurt another person in her life. And because of that fear that she has about like her power, she has a hard time controlling it. She starts to use coping skills where she literally tells herself to back off. Right. So she has yeah. to she gets so enraged because of all of the bullshit in the world and everything that's happening around her that she literally has to say back off back off you know like some people will like you know count in their heads or you know like we all have our different coping mechanisms but she literally is telling herself back off back off and it's so cute when she does that um then when she starts using it for good is when we when the first time that we see her light something on fire right and like throughout the whole story she's like trying to understand like she has a good understanding of like the fundamentals of like good versus evil right where she knows that bad men are chasing her right where she knows that like and that's why she has like her mother's abilities at that point where she's like i can sense them they're here because it's it's easy to sense like pure evil right it's easy it's easy to sense like this person is coming here with a gun to kill me this is their intent she does understand that right and just like she asks her dad like she's kind of like asking her dad for permission to in these moments like specifically where the cops come to irv's farm and she's sitting there dad are you gonna still love me if i do something bad and he's like yeah fucking go for it these people fuck them and she's like okay cool you know but she's like trying to figure out where this level of morality is right and it's again very easy when it's like this person's coming to kill me this is this there is no sort of gray area but when it comes to nuanced understanding of what that means it's incredibly hard for her and that's when rainbird comes in which oh my gosh uh <laughs> where he's like being manipulative right where he's trying to be her f- like pretending to be her friend where he has this whole alternate persona and everything because like i was wondering she can sense like the cops coming down the street from herbs but like she can't sense rainbird's intention and he has no powers at least in this version of it right so like it was really bothering me why couldn't she understand or like why couldn't she um catch that and i think it really is just that nuanced evil right like well, that manipulative it's, gross it's it's literally just manipulative because she, again we're not like she's literally a kid right like right. for as strong and as capable as she is she's literally a child so there is this like she's in this place she doesn't know 
Um, she's so reluctant to trust anybody. And this guy came in with a very specific plan of action to be like, I'm so small. I'm so ugly. You might want to turn the lights off to not look at me. Like, I know you're so much better than me. Get away. And she's like, it's a dis- disarming tactic. It's manipulation based level. lots of older men use on younger women. Literally, which is what he yes. does perfectly. And she's like, wait, no, you're not that ugly. Like, you actually seem kind of cool. And he's like, oh, you think so? Next day, it's like, hey, friend, like, should I not come in here? Like... He does it. And so he's intentionally disharming her to the point where, like, it's, like, perfect Mm -hmm. in the sense that, like, she's not going to see it coming. And she's at her most vulnerable and most lonely place. Like, she's been pulled away from the one person who she can trust. And he's not Mm -hmm. there. So she's lonely, vulnerable. She's, She's perfectly... She's, like, in the perfect position to be manipulated. And I I just... For her not to see that coming, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I w- how no. how could you? I wouldn't be able to. There's she no way. Like eight years old. There's no eight. way that she could see. <laughs> yeah. There's at 18, you still couldn't even see that, right? I, even like, fucking now, somebody could do that to me now, and I'd probably be right. like, oh, <laughs> okay. And so I think, and you know, she is just so good and she believes people like, you know, when they yeah. say things and everything. So it really is just that innocence, like the reason why she's it, unable to, to, un- to like predict or like read through that because that's also, she doesn't want to see evil in other people right like she wants to see the good in everybody and i think that's so sweet and admirable even after being on the run for a whole year because these people killed your mom and are trying to like hurt you right then like once like when she figures that out that like she has a really hard time with rainbird right figuring finding out that like no you're my friend he's like no i'm gonna kill you and she's like no like you're my friend but like at that moment when she like finally realizes like her dad dies right and she's like oh my gosh and he's like you got to burn it all down baby and (laughs) at that moment she's able to like fully and radically embrace herself and who she is and all of the power that she has because there's nothing holding her back not that and her dad wasn't holding (laughs) her back right like at all he was trying to empower her but like literally when she does that she's shooting fireballs she's fucking bulletproof right i was gonna say i love that her main this main like breakthrough moment of her she's like oh i can just do whatever fireball 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 like it's just like nonstop and literally invincibility like what she blows up a bullet mid-air excuse me what With are you not even, doing? Like, breaking a sweat. Like her dad was like, whenever he used his power, he was like bleeding. Right? He's like, oh my! It took so much effort. Right? But yeah. for her, and she's again, throwing like, cars. Talking <laughs> about the 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 power that young women have, right? Yeah. Or just women in general, like you have so much power but everybody else is trying to make you so small and i love that she literally just burns down the establishment and murders everybody that is like pro-establishment and i'm like yeah love this and at the end she has that healing moment too where she like she goes to the to the trucker's house right to irv's house and she's like hey i'm here he's like great awesome I got you. You don't even need to say anything. And then she goes to the paper and she tell and she like makes it known. Like she she does not stay I, quiet. She ugh, it's it's her. honestly I'm so happy with the way it ended. Um, because first when we first met Irv, I was like, who's this fucking creep? Same. Stop like, calling her pretty. Guy. Stop calling her all of these names. Like you're. He's like, I always wish I had a daughter. Three minute stare. Like listen to get my your song. eyes off of her. <laughs> Go away. You're gross. This is, you're being yes. weird. Stop it. Um, but then by the end of it, especially the way he's just like, oh, yeah, like the more time I spent with him, immediately distrustful, 
by the end of it, I'm like, I'm really happy she ended up with them because like he seems like a creep. He's proved that he's not mm-hmm. cool. I support this. Yeah, her going to the New York Times, dropping off those letters, amazing. It's also nice for Irv because Irv is like, I mean, I hate the line like, oh, I wish I had a daughter. But like now he can like have have this family with this like incredible young girl who is just like probably going to change the world. Right. Literally. Like, and so he's like, wow, I can't. But like, what a dream. And not, not to say that, like, yay, her dad died. But like in this impossible situation, I love how it all sort of concluded. And I that think he is, he's the person that is going to fiercely protect this young woman that he knows nothing about. Literally we, met them like 20 minutes ago and is pulling a gun on, you know, federal agents because that's not right. Like we and, literally we literally watched him nearly die to protect this literal stranger. So that way mm-hmm. when she goes back, you're like, oh, she's going to be fine. I mean, granted. She's more likely to protect them, but in general, absolutely. <laughs> well, he's gonna do. He will literally die for this girl. We know this, and like it makes sense why she went there because again, she saw him fight for her, and she saw what he was willing to do to protect her and her dad. And so, like, there's this line that like broke my fucking heart. Um, <laughs> um, it broke yeah. my heart when she said it. When her and her dad are at like the grandpa's house, right? And they have like a moment of like, you know, rest where like they gather up some food supplies. Everything's great. They have a good night's sleep, you know. Or they're both obviously trying to see the bright side to you know everything. Like through their trauma, they're like, "Hey, we got a home. You think wherever I want to go to school, you think it's gonna be okay?" And she says she wants to be like everybody else, which is like, okay, fine. But that she wants to feel safe. Feeling safe is paramount to going to school, to living a normal life, to doing anything. She wants to feel safe. And I yeah. just, I got so, I like teared up because like to see this girl and everything that she's doing and like dealing with. And also like we got to see her joy, which I feel like in a lot of these moments when we're talking about trauma and everything or you know when it's a story like this especially in the next one there's no room for joy there's no room for that but like that's only part of the person that's part of the story you know and so I like that she was able to still kind of hold on to that and again to like just hear her say that with like the biggest like smile on her face I was just like oh well, it's God. one of those things where like you hear her say that it's such a moment of like emotional tension that you're like this because to me, when I heard that, I was like, if if she is not safe at the end of this or if she dies, I'm going to be so mad because it's one of those lines Absolutely. that is like, this is the crux. She has stated clearly she isn't innocent. I just want to be safe. And if by the end of it in the story, you strip her of that violence, boo, bad story. I'm going to like Especially you on to fire. Me, literally, because to me, if like, if it's going to be one of those stories with a sad ending where she does die or something, whatever, to me... Adding something like that in is like mean spirited. It's like just torturous and bad and like wrong. So to me, I'm like, okay, that's the, that's like the linchpin essentially. Like this is the moment. This is what we're working towards. This has to pay off. And when it does, relief. It's and so we never warm. get that in stories like this. It Hardly. was so. It was such a delight and such a shock because like. I'm so used to everybody in a story around a young woman trying to hurt her, right? So again, with the trucker, instantly do not trust her. With the dad, I was like, I don't know about this. But like right off the bat, they're like showing her that she's loved and that she's happy and she's cared for and protected. And they have did that with Irv too. 
so it's like okay and so for her to have a good ending like you know especially for like horror right but like a good satisfying ending where the woman the young woman lives and is allowed to exist and to tell her story what the also fuck? also she's around adults too like this irv guy again like we we know that he's not a creep but like he's so willing he's like yeah we're gonna go to new york city we're gonna go to the new york times i'm going to take you there myself and you're gonna prove to the world that you are a victim if if you yes. want to say it i'm going to help you say it if you do you do great let's go give another me the letters write the letters man. let's go yeah exactly another cishet white man using his influence and his power and the things that are in his ability like within his realm to uplift this young woman and i'm just like this is allyship y'all like can you imagine if like (laughs) if more men were like that like and that's the thing is like to me this felt like a fairy tale because these men don't exist (laughs) <laughs> you Literally. know by and large in, in this framework but like well especially I love not even that just, and this is go ahead like not even just like necessarily in the real world but like in the way that oftentimes men are depicted in these stories because they're Absolutely. men written by men and men generally are bad so like in this story it's just so refreshing because you're like oh okay like it's just it's so unexpected and mm-hmm. that's why at least to me it was such a like a wash over moment of like oh wow like that's right. Like there are some good people. Like that's crazy. We never get these like good moments, especially again, like you said, horror. Like with most horror, like it wouldn't end like that. I mean, look at something like Carrie. Look at like look at all these other moments where these you have these sort of like femme protagonists who are just like belittled and bullied and treated literally like shit. And at the end of the day, it's kind of just like, yeah, well, fuck you, go die. And you're like, okay, and like that's it. And this one is just like the literal opposite where it's like, no, she's safe and the world's going to know your story. And you're like, oh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) I cannot overstate how much I absolutely love this ending, how much I absolutely loved her journey. And I loved the way that we got to see it. I feel like the writing for this was just really good because we did get to see joy. We got to see those like hard moments. We got to see her be defiant and like this character of charlie is so dynamic and is such a real character that drew barrymore is a star she's a star yes, it's just insane truly. she's so good the big thing for me the most heartbreaking part for me about this movie was the uh what's his name john he goes by john oh rainbird rainbird the... yeah like the, the whole manipulative befriending of her It's so toxic because it comes from this place of complete apathy and complete, like, disdain for life. Like, even in that moment when he's sitting in that room talking about it, he's like, yeah, I'm probably going to hell. Fuck, I hope it comes soon. I hope I die soon. I hate life. I hate myself. I hate this world. I hate everything. And you're just like, oh, you're, like, not only are you just, like, a bad guy, but, like, your complete lack of compassion and lack of just like cognizance for the world and for humanity makes you that much scarier so when he's in these moments of like manipulation and like playing and being joyful or whatever with her and she's like i actually have a friend i'm like this is so sad because it's the most insidious thing and it was so like i i could not get over how scary it was because like she finds out she's getting out the first person she goes to is him yeah and he's like the right hand man for like murder like he's like he's one of the ones in charge he's the ones who put them there 
And she goes straight to him. She's like, yeah, we're escaping tonight at eight o'clock. We have to go to the stables. And he's like, the stables, you say? And like the way he's responding to her, I'm just like chills. I'm like, this is so gross and scary and sad. And I hate it because she's so genuine and she's so like earnest and like, I love you. You're my friend. Like, I can't believe I met a friend who like gets me. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you did. And meanwhile, he has like a gun behind his back. You're like, Jesus. So sad. Oh, yeah. And it's so it's so insidious the way like because we we see him before he becomes takes on the moniker of John, the orderly. Right. Or the the janitor where he's just like pro them running tests. He's like, yeah, whatever. When you're done with her, I get her. Just give her to me, which is gross right so scary and like the reason so apparently in the books which i don't think was really told as well here i to me he does say like oh i'm gonna kill her yeah she has to die and i also like was like is this a pedophile thing (laughs) right because like he he puts his hand on her leg he kisses her like you know this kind of thing and i'm like this is awful this is gross but then like i guess in the in the book he's just never killed a child and he is obsessed with this idea of killing a child. And his thing, the way that he gets off on murdering people, is that's why he's always like, look at me. Look at me. He wants them, like, he wants to see the light leave their eyes. He, oh, my like, God. That, like, made me tear like, up. That's so scary. So scary Fuck. and so insidious. Um, and That's how and he's just, written like, in the book. That's how his character is written in the book. Yeah, and I think they tried to do that here, but I don't. I don't think that it, it came off it, as that. Yeah, they didn't really have time to expose that specifically. It did read as just like, oh, he's a pedophile. Like yes. that's a hundred percent to me. Some of those moments are like, oh, this man's a monster. Like, well, and I cool. could, you could tell that like he gets off on watching people, like seeing people. Like he won't kill somebody unless they're looking at him, right? But anyways, also I want to point out that um, in this iteration, Rainbird was not played by an indigenous person where clearly they are supposed to be indigenous in the next one uh, it is played by an indigenous actor um however not here also it's a bit on the nose but rain bird and fire starter right he's the like yeah it's a it's bad and dumb because again we're just hiring white people like somebody the character's name's rain bird hey go find like a 50 year old white guy cool Let's put him in here to play a character. Like, no, you know what this is. You guys just don't want it. Like, it's gross and toxic. Not to say that we need necessarily, like, a native actor to be, like, this villainous, like, monstrous, murderous. Like, because, again, especially in these roles, and it's a big thing that I have a problem with in the next one when it comes to, like, diversity and, like, non-white actors and characters in a story. But, like, in this way, like, was this better? Because to me, I'm like, if the only non-white actor is this indigenous actor who is portraying the most vile villainous whatever of everybody like what's done that good exactly because then what then does that say about it it's like oh my god like either way it's bad and Mm -hmm. there's like there's literally no salve to it it's just a mess because in my head i'm like oh if you got that but no i feel like it would be a completely different message it would be completely like both choices are incorrect Ugh. I feel like this character was only indigenous because they wanted to use the name Rainbird. Yeah. Because 
I mean, culture never really comes into it. Um, it's just this person's a hired assassin, and that's that, right? It has literally it, nothing to do with anything. Literally. So I do think that it was just like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if, like, because Rainbird and, like, Firestarter, right? Like, so I feel like that was just really not well thought out. And in the next one, they do try to, like, be like, oh, like, they gave Rainbird powers because they tried to say that um, okay. the the place did experiments on indigenous people prior to doing them on college students and we will talk about that there yes. but <laughs> i'm so like the new one i don't want to spoil it but it's heinous oh it it's is like, yeah it's such a fuck you to In this every like it's so way imaginable mean-spirited and bad and like every choice that seemed like we're saying something is like, oh, this is like the most liberal centric take um, I've ever seen. Like it is missing the entire point of inclusion. It's missing the entire point of discussion and non-white centric stories. It's missing the entire discussion around feminism. Like it misses. Oh my God. Okay. You know what? Yeah. We're we'll not getting on it yet. Then. Holy but interesting. <laughs> this one is two hours. The the original is two hours long, whereas the new one is like 90. A, snoo- a smooth God. 90 minutes. Even then um, it felt too long. I'm like, give me the 40 did. minute version of this because- I gotta go. That one would not be made better with like more time because there was no nuance and they didn't try for nuance. But we're still here. But anyways, we're still here. I do want to talk about the shop and Mm -hmm. also specifically like that doctor, like or the head of the shop, right? Uh, The head of the shop who like was just so fucking predatory where he like, which, okay, also... Every man in this that's like not Irv or not um, not her dad, right? It's just so, so disgusting with and around her and has like infantilized her to where she is like this beacon of like uh, it. Mm, it's it's so gross. So the well, the the main person brings her co- like so they put her in this like suite, right? Basically, and she's like a prisoner in this suite, and they give her lit- they shower her in gifts, which great go off girl like she's playing video games and like i'm not even fucking paying attention to you but um he like tells her i've thought about you so long that it's like you're my own daughter toxic nasty so gross so so like when he said that i was like how fucking dare you yeah and it's also the way that they infantilize her in this way where it's like oh but she's a little girl so she has no she has no strength she's just a little girl while simultaneously holding uh we need to control her because she's too strong which to me i love her as a character because of that like she is like the most powerful person in what we would as a society consider one of the least powerful bodies (laughs) like Mm -hmm. like that dichotomy is so like iconic and cool but in the story, these toxic men are using both ends of that spectrum as an excuse, a justifiable to them excuse for why she does not deserve autonomy, why she doesn't deserve agency at all, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, she's a little girl. Well, she's a destructive time bomb. Like, no matter what, they are going to find a reason to not let her exist. Um, right. And it's just, it's a really and good like- story because of that. Because it is like, that's so true. No matter what, like... Men will find any reason to justify their behavior and justify their choices in belittling and controlling women. And it's also like that juxtaposition is also prevalent in like the doctor who created Lot 6 or whatever, right? Which is 
again such an interesting conversation where like you would think that like he he was like really mad about like he's pretending to be mad about like well I didn't know what was in there I didn't realize it was going to kill these people right you know regarding the lot six test on the college students which again incredibly predatory they're going after poor college students who like can't afford to like feed themselves and they're just like here do this test you don't need to know anything about it it's a-okay um but the thing that he says is that he's like he's not mad because she exists or like he's mad because her dad is trying to train her and train her powers right and he believes that he's limiting her powers but he doesn't, even though she's the one that actually has these powers, he doesn't want her to have these powers. He only wants to control and to use those powers for himself, right? Even though she's the one that has these powers, she's still not allowed to take ownership of them. It's the shop and the doctor and all of the other men in that room that want to be like, he's holding her back when literally they're the ones that are holding her back, forcing her to go on the run because they just want to control her power and direct it at their enemies rather than like, I don't know, maybe her change the world for the better or I don't know. Oh my gosh. Wait, hold on. Just live her Literally just let her live. live. Just live. Yeah. Like she, it's one of those things where it's like, she doesn't have to be a power. She doesn't have to be like a superhero. I mean, granted, like she has stupendous power. She has like, this insane amazing gift but at the end of the day like she's allowed to just live like she doesn't have to do anything for these dumb people um for what for like what is what is the justification for why they need this right like they claim it's for the safety of the world when in fact we really just know that it comes down to ego and it comes down to money and that's the only reason anybody in this space is doing anything and domination and control and that's all it is yeah Anyways, there's also this line that he says where, you know, in the same breath that he's like mad that the parents are training her and they're going to limit her powers and blah, blah, blah. He says that it must have been so hard for mom. Like, I mean, can you imagine how hard it was for mom? Not for dad, because, again, we're assigning gender roles. But like he's like talking about how she's Armageddon, but she's this. And literally, she's just a little fucking girl burning toast (laughs) like this is what she is but they are so fucking afraid of her and of what she's going to become like you said they're trying to belittle her and control her and put her in a space where they feel safe right being around her like they're still wearing like those fire suits going after her when she's burning everything down at the end i'm like you literally saw her turn cinder blocks into ash with her goddamn brain and you think that a fucking fire suit is going to save you it's it's laughable um should we go on to the next movie yes i'm sorry i'm just so fucking into this college students, Anna McGee and Vicki Tomlinson took part in an experiment involving a hallucinogen called Lot 6, conducted by a government agency known as DSI. The drug had horrific side effects on the other participants, but gave Vicky and Andy telepathic abilities. The pair eventually married and had a daughter named Charlie, who started to develop pyrokinetic and telepathic abilities herself at a young age. Andy became a life coach, and the family swore off cell phones and the internet in an attempt to hide from DSI, causing Charlie to have a rough time in school socially and academically. 
One day, Charlie accidentally burns her mother with her powers and Rainbird, working for DSI, attempts to kidnap Charlie to study her abilities, killing her mother in the process. Luckily, Andy and Charlie escape and Andy starts trying to teach Charlie to control her power, like her mom wanted, with DSI close at their heels. On their journey, Charlie and Andy meet farmer Irv Manders who offers to lend his help. Unfortunately, agents from DSI quickly show up, and though Irv attempts to shelter them, Charlie uses her powers to escape, burning down the farm in the process, and Andy is captured. Lonely and sad in the woods, Charlie hones her power connect skills and follows a telepathic message, presumably from her father, to DSI headquarters. Uh Uh-oh, turns out it was a trap. Andy tells her to burn it all down and kill everyone, then uses his powers to force Charlie to burn him and the head of DSI alive. And so she carries out his wishes and cries alone on the beach where she is found by Rainbird, who she's apparently forgiven for murdering her mom, and the two disappear into the night together. So... This um, movie is trash. I, I, yeah, I want to. I want to go on record just off the bat. Big, 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 big important moment. Um, this movie missed the entire fucking point. Like this movie, and I was saying this a little bit before. This movie missed every point of the story. Like it took everything that that story is. It was like, oh, it's not about that, and then gave us some other non-plot. Where you're like, wait, then what is the point of this story? Is there a point to this story? Not really. And my big thing with like this, I'm all about inclusion and I'm all about diverse casting and I'm all about like non-white stories. Come on, let's do it. This movie attempts to be as inclusive as possible while maintaining white supremacist status quo as hard as it fucking can because at the end of the day it's still a white story about a dad (laughs) because again it's really his shit and not charlie's shit in this story but every other character who we see largely is either indigenous black or non-white generally and this movie also does that thing well First of all, all of those characters also are bad. We're told they're bad. They're bad guys. They're bad people. They do bad things. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, cool. Bad characters can exist, but like, don't make it like a white family and then every other non-white character, like they're the evil ones. I mean, then arguably, that turns... even the white family is fucking bad. Like well, there's they... nobody is likable in this in this True. movie at all. 100%. But then this but movie yes, also takes it a step. quote unquote good guys. Yeah. When... And this movie also does that thing where it's like the police chief is black. The other like two cops on the farm are black. And like we're not having a conversation about like cops in this way, especially when... It's like, well, our inclusion is like our black actors are going to play cops. And it's like, oh, this is like an insidious underpinning to maintain white supremacist status quo. Like that's the decision making process here. It's supposed to be disguised as inclusive casting and it's supposed to be disguised as like general inclusion. And like, look, not everybody in this movie is white. Cool. Great. We love that. Um, But you're doing that thing where you're burying the lead. You're burying the conversation. Because, again, what the fuck even is this movie? Like with Rainbird, at least here, I love it. I love the casting. Um, what the fuck did you do to this story? Like, at least have more of a conversation about like native populations and indigenous folks. Like, you don't. I, this movie literally did the wrong fucking thing at every point, and it sucked. It's such a bad movie. And Zach Efron, my first note here. I don't like looking at Zach Efron. 
Um, no offense, <laughs> Zac Efron. Like, you get so much adoration in the world. I'm sure you get a lot of shit, too. Who cares? You're famous. Whatever. Um, like, off the bat, I'm like, I don't trust this dad. Something about his aura is, like, incorrect. And he seems so untrustworthy. I'm like, get that baby away from this man. Like, that first thing when he's walking in the hallway, get the baby away from this man. This man is dangerous. Why is he in the room with that's burning with the baby where they're smoking? They're both going to, like, and like why? He's, instead like, of a meeting, he, like, knocks the mobile out of the way, gets the baby, everything's catching on fire, and he's just standing there with his baby, like, oh, like, looking, like, the fire? How did the fire get here? There's fire? It's like, like, you can think leave. about that outside, like, Daddy, you know, go. maybe do that. Yeah. Like, like it's so stupid and bad oh my god this movie is one where um we've talked about before where they try to do the like dark gritty trope where they're like oh let's do this but like you know what if like instead of this decision they made this decisions because like it's dark and and what if we talk about like you know maybe like remember that line from the first movie where they're like oh it must have been like growing up with armageddon how awful must it have been for the mom and it's like okay cool we're gonna show that she's awful you know like where the first one like that wasn't the story that's not what it was about but in this one like it's right off right off the bat oh you have to be afraid of making her mad by leaving the room right <laughs> like in this like really gross and entitled way and in the attempt to add nuance it just turned everything into noise right and not only 100%. that but it took away it like the first one it's really not an action movie there's a couple of things and we maybe see her do like some fire stuff like a couple of times right but like by and large that movie is character growth it's they they really work for those emotional scenes that we talked about you know they uh they did the character work and it worked well and in this one they threw all that out the window for like of the 90 minutes of this movie i want to say about 30 minutes of it is action <laughs> yeah you know and so they they really did an absolute bad job because i these movies, I just feel like it's somebody sitting around and is just like, oh, you know, like, how would they exist today? Well, they wouldn't have cell phones because they would know that the government is tracking them. Oh, yeah, that's great. And then she's doing bad in school because she doesn't, you know, have this, which, yes, that's a thing, technology and access and all of that, right? That That is correct. But again, we're making her a shitty kid and we're making everybody make fun of her for not, like, just arbitrarily without like why is the kid <laughs> sitting next to her like you suck you don't but have a also phone. this like bizarre introduction to like wait are they amish like there was yes. a couple moments where you're like they said amish too they said they were amish no the the boy was like you're amish yeah he said that and then later it's like why don't we have wi-fi and i'm like wait are they amish is that like a part of the story? Because you have these like, two beats that like are clues for us to get to know the family. But then suddenly those clues end and you're like, wait, was that just like a throwaway? Like, are but they? Also, you couldn't take your daughter to the library so she can do her homework. This is not good writing. You're just like spitballing. This whole movie feels like just people spitballing. Like on like, oh, what if we change this? And what if we did this? And so even the way that it changes the relationship with Irv, with the trucker, right? Where in the original, like Irv offers them a ride. And he's like, yeah, you know, do you guys want some food? I got that. Like I can, you know, let's go grab a bite to eat. And he like, we didn't talk about this in the other one, but I love that Irv like sends, like the kid goes out to like feed the chickens or whatever. And he sits down and he asks Andy, who says, 
did you kidnap this girl? I will not allow you to leave with her. Like he straight up confronts this guy. And that was one of the coolest things about that character, right? Is he's like, I see this, this girl might need help. I'm going to provide this if this person is being predatory. Let's fix this, right? But in this one, the trucker is like coerced into taking them to his house, right? Or to the airport. Okay. Here's my big fucking thing. Flop City Central Station. Here we go. In the first one, he like makes the cab driver think it's a $500 bill mm-hmm. and it's a $1 bill. I was like, so eh, silly. that's gross. That's and that's like just, a okay, that's like a gross whatever thing of the time. Um, They were like, what if we brought that in? And then what if we did that to Irv, like the nice guy who's going to help us? Like, And it's also like this shitty entitled white guy tricking a black man into doing something for him for next to no money and i'm like yes why did we bring this bit back like it's such a nothing bit it's such a throwaway it means nothing it is not integral to any part of the story apart from hey remember remember when we did that like it's a nostalgia Mm -hmm. pullback i get it um let it die why did you bring that one back Uh, why that one why that one like that was a bad one then did you think it was going to play well now? Like, it's going to play way worse now, you dummy. Like, what? <laughs> Again, like performative inclusion, right? Um, I do want to s- clarify the reason I said cute was because I thought it was cute that he's like, it's a $500 bill when it was like, those don't exist. And oh, I, yeah. I thought that was like a fun little way to like showcase the his powers, but also uh, gross because he is, you know, anyways. It's, yeah, it's also, it's just the, the dynamic of it. And again, it's just the, yeah, the, absolutely. the reminder of, but so then the trucker like or ch- I he's trucker my nose his name is Irv but then he's like you know he takes them home and then his wife like why did we decide to do this thing with his wife where she's like on life support in the other room and don't talk to her and then his whole he even he has trauma where it's like he was driving and uh somebody hit him and his wife is now paralyzed and like basically in a waking coma and his son was killed like why are we giving time to that and why did why did we decide to make this decision for this movie right and then like just at every point i'm like this was her safety. This was, and I was really looking forward to seeing, like, I mean, everything in the movie was trash, but like, I was like, okay, surely they can't fuck this up. Surely they can't fuck up Irv. And they fucked him up. And then when Charlie does her thing and she burns down the farmhouse, she burns his wife alive. Yeah. Like it made every interaction that much more sinister. And it made Irv look so silly where he's like, life coach what the hell like you know oh you're telling me i can't trust the tv so like here's jesus i want to also reiterate because like context is everything and i understand again i want to like clarify that like these movies it's a lot of stuff a lot of moving parts a lot of shit happens and i know that a lot of times this is not like the thing that the person wanted to make because to me this movie looks like a whole mess of mistranslations and like miscommunication and bad yeah. decisions because it does not feel like such an intentional piece of work. There's no way. There is mm-hmm. so much mismatched here. Like the story doesn't really make sense. And like the scenes where you're like, Irv, this character, like the, the simpleness of you telling me I can't trust the TV. Like, oh yeah, he's <laughs> Southern, right? And he's stupid. So let's make him this stupid Southerner. Like, relying so deep entrenching yourself so deep in these basic fucking tropes i'm like 
there's no way that like this was the first like maybe i'm giving too much and credit he wasn't but like drunk too like he, he and we're gonna make him drunk just to like top this off let's make him drunk like which what are you thinking well yeah literally why are we doing this and it just i'm sure there were other seeds of like good things that just didn't happen here but as a whole as a collective looking at it as a piece a, a piece of work <laughs> made by many people something did not translate because it's messy I, every part of this movie like every, every part. part of this movie feels so disjointed and doesn't make sense and even if i hadn't seen the first one i'd be like what the fuck but because i've seen the first one and i know like the roots of the story i'm like why are we doing this okay like, i also want to say my moment do you have a moment where you're like this is going to be bad yes i do you okay can go first so my moment was Early on, it's like a shot, they're in the house, whatever. We see a framed photo of Charlie, and next to the photo is a fire extinguisher. Same. Should... That was mine, too. Was I was it? like, this is it. I was like, <laughs> why is that there? Oh, because she's the fire starter? This is... Because to me, the fire extinguisher doesn't need to be there. Like, I get it handy because she starts fires, but um, this is stupid. That's so dumb. Like, we know she's a fire starter. You showed us she's like, you don't need the fire extinguisher there. It's just, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, here we go. This is not going to be good. Um, not not to say that, like, the first scene of the baby of them standing in a room on fire to be like, oh, what happened? Isn't dumb. Like, you're going to get out of the house with your baby. Your house is on fire. Um, This was the last nail of me being like, oh. I'm in for a bad time. <laughs> I am not <laughs> ready uh, to go on um, this journey, unfortunately. To be fair, I also did text you, and we we tried not to you do did. this again. But yeah. I did text you um, because there's a scene that I very much want to talk about, where we the know that we don't we don't like um, when dogs get hurt. Um, we also don't like it when cats get hurt in uh, just animals in general in film, but. This uh, moment this? where okay, let's let's back up because um when I tell talk- you I'm so mad. You I you warned me furious. but I could not believe everything around it too. I wanna I wanna talk about every moment of this do scene it. because let's it, do it. It does not it is so abhorrent to the story. Like it's so bad. Okay. My biggest thing I get I get the story beat. I get why we're showing her like she can't control her powers and it's a reactionary choice like oh kitty cat kitty cat gets scared and scratches her and she's like pain fire um she's a kid understand it's reactionary but 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 um there's obvious so many other ways to show reactionary like i didn't mean to do that i didn't mean to do that i didn't mean to do that um there's nothing else about this scene that makes the cat interesting or make the cat needed because then after that the dad takes it upon himself to teach her a lesson about putting something out of its misery um and says you need to like put this cat out of its misery and then she's it like, has to mm, be a okay. decision to use your powers like yeah, it can't it, be this, reactionary this like weird army dad suddenly where he's like i'm gonna be tough on you like what is this is like this is a weird scene, especially a weird scene coming after immediately the death of his wife and the death of her mom. Um, Which he did not give a shit about. Like, you don't care. see him have any fucking emotions. Or her. Neither one of them give a shit. Um, and I, w- I do really want to talk about mom. But after this scene, because... So for those of you that have not seen this iteration, please don't. But also... Um, <laughs> 
the scene, the way, like like Eric was saying, the way they decided to show her being reactionary or her, her you know, accidentally using powers or whatever was literally, like in the first one, the first time we really see her use her powers, like, you know, even if it wasn't intentional or it was like, you know, just reactionary to like, this guy's a creep, fucking burn him, right? And then she's like, oh shit, I didn't mean to do that. In this one, it was, she went to play with a cat in the parking lot of a motel when like while they were supposed to sleep or whatever and the cat was great and then just suddenly scratched her and if a cat scratches you like that i mean it's because you're being an asshole you're also um, in the cat space three. give a cat space right go away <laughs> so like cats will let you know when you're too close right like that's a thing um but yeah so then it scratches her and her first reaction like i mean my first reaction would not be fucking burn it right like but like this child is so not, I mean, she is like emotionally unstable because of like a, a lot has to do with like her father and all this other stuff. But like, she's so triggered that she lights this cat on fire and not just like, oh, like, you know, it's little paw or something. Like, no, she torches this fucking cat and they show it. They show what the cat looks like. They show its burned little body right there. And then dad comes up and is like, you got to put it out of its misery. Not even like we can help it. Let's get it to a vet. Let's do something like his first reaction is kill it's it. yeah, he fucking it's, Palpatine's her. He just shows he up behind her. He's like, kill it, does. do it, do it out. And you're like, and okay. Because to me, that's this is supposed to teach about the like reactionary. Like I don't know how to control my powers. Like in the first one, she sees the the inequity and the sexism of this man Correct. pushing this woman, and it it works perfectly with the narrative. We of get the it. Character. We're like, Excellent. yes, yes. In this, this does nothing for me other than teaches me that she's a bad person. That she is a bad, mean spirited, evil individual who is ready to destroy everything. So to me, we're not rooting for her. She is not Mm-mm. the hero. And because these other people are literally so bad, they're also not the hero. So this story doesn't have a hero or have, and again, it's not even an anti-hero, which if that's the way that we're trying to go, to me, it loses everything, especially in this moment specifically, because I'm like, this is gross and it's mean-spirited. And the guy who's supposed to be her guiding light, like again, her dad and the other one is like, I know it, I'm here for you, let's talk, like whatever. This guy's just like, do it, kill it put it out of its misery and then and then after that let's pray oh let's pray let's pray dear let's god bury please this let cat this... they they bury the cat and on this little like uh, they write cat on a fucking stone and put it on top of the grave and i'm like you had time to do all of this did you like and like and okay you buried the cat so you're absolved of your sins like how fucking dare you Let's also talk about the writing of this sequence, this moment when they're burying this cat. Dear God, please let this cat be happy in cat heaven. Let he or she or they be happy at the big cat party. And then she says, and bless mommy too. Okay, so I just want to break this down. Um, This is the moment we choose to have a conversation about gender. <laughs> cool. <Yes. laughs> oh, 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 yeah. No, I know exactly where we should throw in a gender joke about, like, progressivism conversations with pronouns. It's when we kill a fucking cat. Let's talk about gender. That Like, no. Go away. And then when she's like, oh, and bless mommy too. Oh, that's right. My wife died yesterday. Her mom died yesterday. Oh, for sure. Maybe we should say something about her. Like, are you fucking serious? Like, the f- are you kidding? <laughs> is this a jo- is this a joke movie? Is this in- is this a serious thing? <laughs> what? 
in this one, like her mom dies. And like, so the first one, mom dies a year later is when the movie takes place. In this one, we hang out with mom for like, you know, a couple of days. She dies. And this is like literally like it's it's the same stretch of time. There's no time jump. There's nothing. So, yeah, mom died yesterday. It's she like just nine hours ago. It's like nine hours ago. She died. And feels no fucking remorse for killing this cat or for burning her mom. Right. Her whole thing was like, I meant to burn you, dad. Right. Like this kid is not e- empathetic. She's not. um She's not a real person. She's just evil and bad. And you're right. This is the moment where it's like, like not only like they've shown us that she's bad, but this is when it's like, absolutely. No, she's absolutely awful. She's trash. She's like, she feels nothing for having just killed this fucking cat and for having her mom just died after she was burned so bad. Like, and her, her only thing is it was supposed to be you dad. Now think about, Drew Barrymore's character and how she how that iteration of Charlie would have reacted in these situations she would have been fucked up she would have been beside herself she would not have been and like I mean do you think those chickens pecked her when she was at the farm absolutely was her first reaction to barbecue it no Charlie would have been so sad like she would have been devastated like I can't believe I did that I didn't mean it why did that happen why am I like this why did this happen I can't believe this happened. Like, these men are showing up to this farm with guns in the first one. And she's like, but I don't want to. Like, I don't want this. Like, I don't right. want to do this. I don't want to be this person. And you and get this that one, this girl, And in this one, this girl's like, oh, should I burn it? Like, oh, you didn't make my coffee right. I'm going to fucking kill you. And you're like, I don't like you. I don't like this girl. This girl sucks. Like, she's not a good person. And her dad's the fucking worst. Like... Ew, get out of my face. I, like, it was after this scene that I was like, you know what? Check, please. Like, I, I don't really care what happens. Fuck you guys. Fuck everybody here. Like, I don't care anymore. I don't care about Rainbird. I don't care about DSI. I don't care about Charlie. I don't care about her dad. I don't care about um this farmer or his sad story. Like, I don't care about any of these people. None of it is interesting anymore because to me, you've told me that I shouldn't care about this character. You made it very clear that she's not it. She's not the one. She's not good. She's not going to come back from this because I don't like her. You've you that's what I've been told. She's bad. We should not root for her because she is an integrally a bad person. Um and- why? <laughs> why did we do this? Why did we do that? <laughs> In the first one, she was using her powers for survival, and she hated it. She did not like the things that she had to do in order to survive, in order to to have the right to fucking exist, right? And in this one, she trains herself to, like, and uses her powers for revenge, not for survival, for revenge. Somebody tells her no in that scene where, like, everybody's fighting. Mom is burnt. The cat scratches her. She kills the cat. She goes to her dad, and then her dad uses, like, and this is so fucked up. Her dad has the power of influence, right? Uh, the push that they call it in, in this one. Uh, and the, Which is really just the voice. Do the thing. <laughs> Go. Do it. Do it. Yeah, I mean, and the way that it's, like, filmed, absolutely. <laughs> I'm obsessed. That was my favorite part where he's like, oh, you can't talk. And it's like, like, oh, uh, cool. He uses the voice on his daughter to make her burn him alive. 
and tells her just before he like does that, which how fucked up that your dad is going to use you in this way and leave you alone in this thing, right? Like that is so gross and so predatory. In this one, the dad isn't trying to protect her. He's just so gross and predatory. And like, so then she's just like, well, fuck everybody. And I'm going to do this because my dad said so, I guess. But they're also trying to hurt me. But like, her powers just feel so much more retaliatory. There's no remorse. There's no nuance there. There's no conscience. It's just, okay, cool. Everybody's going to die now because I said so, you know? Yeah. He gives up. He 100% gives up on his daughter. He gives up on everything. Like, I know that he's in an impossible situation. And she has one of those contacts where, surprise, tech update. In this version, people wear these tech contacts for your eyes that allow you to not uh, be swayed by the powers of these people from Lot 6. Um, so, um, <laughs> in my head, and this is so mean, but whatever, because it's true, because she's a fucking cop. But Kamala Harris, <laughs> in this fucking room <laughs> with him... She sucks. Like, she's just a fucking cop. Like, ugh, go away. She's, I have her in my notes as, like, girl boss. And, like, yeah, she's, one she's... of the first lines that we hear from her is, like, oh, you think it's him? He didn't have the legs for this outfit. Yeah. Like, girl she's boss. Like, she's, like... she's, she's girl bossing cop babe. She sucks. She's trash. But she's wearing a contact, which is why he can't sway her in this room. And that's why, uh, for us, we're supposed to believe that, like, the dad then sways his daughter to kill them both in this room using her firepower, which is just really him giving up and does not make much sense to the story. But what I will say, my favorite part of this film, and I will full, I will die with this opinion. I think somebody was watching Firestarter. When we were talking about doing a remake, they said the line, liar, liar, pants on fire. Yes. And somebody's like, write it. That's it. That's the line. That's it. That's the kicker. That's the hook. That's how we get into this year. Everyone's doing remakes. Firestarter fucks. That's the line. Write the script. I firmly believe that this script (laughs) was built around this line because to me, it worked. I'm obsessed with it. She's like, come with me. No. And she's like, liar, liar, pants on fire. And it's it's the perfect blend of childish whimsy and absolutely insane murder. Obsessed. <laughs> liar, liar, pants on fire. Iconic, incredible, influential, so rich. I saw this in the trailer when this first came out. And in my head, I was like, that's probably going to be pretty fucking good because of this line. Like, because to me, it's so, it tells me that they get it. This line is stupid and it's so silly and they're amplifying it like this is the billboard. This is the banner. This is the line. We said it. You know it. Come see it. I'm like sold. You guys know what's going on. You know this movie. I know that you know what you're doing. This is going to be great. I was so disappointed with this film (laughs) because this movie did not know what it was doing. And this line, this selling point was a fucking lie because this line is good. And it's so good because it does not work. But that's the point of it. And I just, ah. It's almost like their pants are on fire. Literally. I will stand by this line. I think that's how this thing got written. I will stand by this. Because it's, for me, sign sealed delivered. I'm yours. I'm sending the check to the company saying, I want more of this, please. Like, I bought this. I bought the line. Everything else about this movie can fuck off. But this moment (laughs) 
Oh my God, it was so good, Jess. I can't get over how much I loved this moment. Liar, liar, pants on fire. So dumb, and it worked on me. But it's the only part of the movie that worked. Everything else is a fucking mess. Yeah, I mean, everything. I think the only thing that I wanted to talk about was the parents a little bit, because this is, okay, so we've already said it's 30... 30 minutes of this movie is action. Another 30 minutes of this is mom and dad trauma. And then 30 minutes of it is probably walking or <laughs> you yeah, know, like, arguing. Um, or a montage of trying to start a fire in, a, in the woods. And you're like, oh okay. Or um, we're killing which, a fucking cat. Jesus. Yes. So the mom. In the first yeah. one, mom was dead before we even knew her right and she had like maybe two minutes of screen time she was or she had maybe i take that back five because yeah we we got a couple scenes but really we don't she's she's not really a part of this we know she existed but that's kind of all we needed to know right but in this one they're like oh cool look we're gonna focus on mom a little bit like a mom's gonna be not not focus on mom because that's incorrect. We're going to have mom in the first third of this movie and it's going to be great because then she's not going to be fridged or she's not going to be this. She's going to be like, you know, in the movie. So we have more than one woman again, like like you were talking about with, you know, the main DSI lady um, and now, you know, mom is in there. So we have more women now. So we're good, you know. Um, we have four women. Wow. It's like faux, it's just the faux inclusivity <laughs> shit is so tired and like I'm so bored by it. So like, okay, so we, we saw that moment, like the moment you and I mo- knew or like, oh, this is going to be bad, right? Where it's the fire extinguisher. Um, right after that and, and like surrounding that, all we're doing is focusing on the dad's trauma. Not even the mom. Mom is around, right? She's in scenes, but... I feel like most of it we're seeing like the the perspective that we're supposed to be seeing is through dad's eyes, right? Because mom is like trying to be like, hey, we should teach her how to use her powers. This is our responsibility because she needs to know like otherwise something bad is going to happen or she needs to know how to defend herself. And dad is like just so Zac Efron is like, no, I will not teach my daughter how to use this. No, we're going to be fucking normal. We're going to be normal, okay? We're going to be normal, you guys. And he's just like fucking screaming at everybody. Screaming so much. And him and mom fight all the time. And it's awful and it's bad. And I fucking hate it. No wonder your daughter's a monster because she looks at your behavior and she's like, cool, this is normal. This is how I'm supposed to like exist in the world. One of the lines that he says to mom when they're arguing about it is he says, she has to shove it down and keep it hidden. She did it before and she can do it again. Like, no. I'm like, why no. did you have a kid? Why did you have a kid? You hate your kid and you hate each other. You guys should have not had sex or wear a con. Like, don't have a child. And then once you're done having sex, you should break up because <laughs> you guys don't like each other. You're not good together. You're not good around each other. If the sex is great, iconic. Hit each other up like once every couple weeks. Make it happen and then go live your lives because you guys are bad for each other and it does not work. And you shouldn't bring a child into this world. Like, it just makes me, it's just one of those things where I'm like, and they don't even talk about it. It's just like, oh, this is just a dysfunctional. And I get that that's the point. But oh my God, it does not work. It's so annoying. And so just like, 
I'm so bored. It's it's so boring. I'm like, you just don't get me. I'm a man. You, well, you just don't get me. I'm a lit. And, like, and she's like, I... wait, what? You've been bleeding when you use your powers? She's like, yeah, whatever. It's not a thing. Like, he's not even, like, telling her the most basic stuff, right? And, like, literally, they should have known that and talked about how they were going to raise a potentially <laughs> telepathic child because they both have telepathic abilities. The chances were very good for this child to have some sort of abilities, right? Like it's and- so it's just a couple of selfish ego maniacs not considering the repercussions of their actions and they're they're, they're fuck them fuck them i hate them i feel a little bit more like a lot of this was driven by dad like i'm sure yeah. that like i could absolutely see um zach efron uh andy this- being like well, we're the only two people that survived the ex- this experiment. We're the only two people that get and understand each other. We have to protect each other. We have to be together. And like, so doing that manipulative bullshit that uh, Rainbird did to Charlie in the beginning, right? Because she was also a young woman at this time. She was in college, very predatory. And like then him with like, because everything he's shown us is like just this, Um, Like you were saying, kind of like military dad, like, you know, like mentality where he's just like, you got to kill it. Now let's pray. Now let's do this. Let's not talk about shit. Like, I feel like she was even less of a person in this one because she didn't like she didn't have any autonomy like at all. And every time that she tried to stand up for herself or her daughter, he just pushed her down and yelled at her into submission right like we don't really see her stand up we don't you know she tries but it doesn't really work and she gets killed for it she gets uh first she gets burned by her own daughter right where like but not the three of them in, are yelling and not yeah. even in an accidental way at least in the first one it's like oh my god i hurt accidental. mommy i'm so sorry and this one it's, it's like intentional fuck you mom i'm gonna kill you and you're like this is not the story this is not it y'all mm-hmm. this is not the no <laughs> so I no. I hate that because it, there's just so much messiness. So I do feel like Charlie was maybe they didn't mom probably didn't want this kid, but um, dad refused to uh, didn't believe in birth control and, you know, also didn't believe the in vasectomies. Like, I feel like he is just an absolute awful trash person. But again, like, because of the conditions and, like, the mental man- were, like, rife for that sort of manipulation where it's like, we only have each other. Mom can't even, she doesn't have a cell phone. She can't talk to any of her friends. She can't be online or have any sort of community. So literally all she has is him, like, I don't know. The more I think about it, the grosser and the more toxic I mean, and I awful mean, yeah. it is. Fire starter. I have nothing more to say. More like something Fire else. snoozer. Yeah. I, know. <laughs> I, I started the, the bit before I could even find a moment. Um, yeah, fuck this. I'm cool. I'm done talking about it. Let's be done. And we're back. We're back. We made it back from uh, the shop. We, and we went now to we're the here shop to talk to about it. Yeah, we went on a shopping What street. did you buy? Um, I bought a subscription to DrewBarrymore.com. <laughs> Drew Barrymore <laughs> Magazine is what I did. Um, what did you buy at the shop? Um, God, I'm trying to yes and here. <laughs> and I'm just like... I, I bought a skateboard. <laughs> I have nothing. You know what? I had um, choice paralysis and I just left with nothing. Honestly, <laughs> true story. And you know what you left with? A full wallet, 
and the rest of your day ahead of you. And the memories. And the memories. Ba, ba, and the friends ba, I made ba, along the way. For the memory. Okay, so we made it back. Eric, <laughs> the first Firestarter, uh, 1984. Who was this for? Oh, we know who this was for. We know who this was for. Yes, we it's do. For, for Miss Barrymore. Um, yes. Our favorite nepotism baby, Miss Drew Barrymore. We love her. Is we she stand- a nepotism baby? She is. She comes from a long lineage of Hollywood um, <gasps> famous folks. She's she's like one of the quintessential nepotism babies, unfortunately. But she's still so good. And she's and so we, good and sweet. I know. And we still love her for it. Um, it's for Drew Barrymore. Done. That's who it's for. Yeah, who do you absolutely. For? Uh, that's exactly who this is. It's for Drew Barrymore, 100%. Um, I have nothing else to add. Woo. Gore <laughs> just. Didn't you like it? I really liked it. I arguably loved it. Um, I'm so impressed by it. Such a specific narrative, such an intentional narrative. Um, it's a great story. Drew killed it. I mean, I will say some of the middle part was a little sleepy, but mm-hmm. overall, as a movie, and especially with that ending, I mean, I'm a Firestarter stan. I'm so into it. I think it's so great, and I think it's so fun. Um, fuck yeah. There are fireballs. She killed it. We love <laughs> Um, did you and like it? I loved it. I a capital L loved it. Yeah. Um, I do, you know, we've already talked about the things that I wasn't a fan of, which was just kind of like the way that Rainbird existed in this, both being a white person playing an indigenous person, um, and just the character it themselves. I don't like, you know, I don't I don't love that. Um, but I love everything kind of like yeah, it, it was really good. It was really nuanced. It was like watching. I love watching movies that make me feel good and make me feel hope about young women and being a young woman. And like it gave me hope. It made me feel good. Um, and I really, really, really loved it for so many reasons. Especially as a story coming from a man. Like I'm so yeah. impressed by that. I mean, and also a screenplay too. written by a man. Like, like not only is it a story, but then an adaptation and a directing all by men to be telling this story about like men's control of women. I'm like that. I'm I'm actually impressed. Okay, are you ready for the 2022 yeah. Firestarter oh conversation we're about to have? I'm never Eric, ready for this. Lafitte, was this new, interesting, or the same? Progressive, regressive. How are you feeling about this it, remake? It, it is new technically because it is uh, newer, a newer film. Um, it's not interesting. I feel like they missed the mark on anything that was like trying to be interesting or trying to say something. So it was not interesting. It was not the same. Way worse. Uh, it was so regressive in its faux inclusivity and its faux sort of forward thinking. It missed the mark on everything. It missed the entire sort of anti-patriarchal narrative. It's just, it's like, it's an unthoughtful piece of work all around. So progressive, not interesting. It's not, it's not good. This is not good. What do you think? Um, I think it was new. Um, I don't think it was interesting. I do think that 
it was the same largely in certain framework like you know you have the framework there's a daughter there's two parents that were experimented on they had a kid this government agency is after them wants to trap them you know there's this trucker guy there's this like a lot of the framework like the basic framework was the same they tried to replicate the house and had like the frame there but then when they started to like add the drywall or do all the stuff like that's when it got like there's hallways that lead to nowhere <laughs> there's you know an unfinished floor you know like the entire like downstairs is all like an unfinished floor like i don't this metaphor is bad but anyways <laughs> it um it was the same in in those terms but like those small like the context surrounding each character and each decision was changed or you know like uh, weird things were added again like you know Irv and his like daughter and son like to where it's it's also not the same so in all of the ways that it was not the same it was incredibly regressive this movie right off the get-go like there's you know we talked about like the uh, fire extinguisher moment and we're like okay, we know what we're in for. And then just like literally every scene with Zac Efron, like in the beginning, it was like, this is trash. This movie is awful. Like I sometimes when we're watching movies, I have to like stop, take a break and go do something or I get distracted on my phone or something. This was one of those where like, I, you know, and like, it doesn't happen often. Like sometimes it'll take me like three hours to watch an hour and a half movie. But, um, I literally had to turn it off at a certain point because I could not fucking deal with this, especially because I watched them back to back and I was like, this story is wonderful. And I had so many great feelings about it. And just to see somebody like shit all over it, because the the first one, like we talked about, is like just very feminist. Right. And it is very um, clear. Like that is 100 percent the point. And in this one, they completely like took that out. So to have just a wonderful good like you know depiction of feminism and like you know uh like this young woman existing and you know going through all of this and then to have this movie that is saying nothing and doing nothing was just the absolute fucking worst so um yeah absolutely regressive yeah terrible 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 so bad (laughs) um who do you think this was for Nobody, nobody, nobody. It's not for anybody. It's not, it's literally not for anybody. Like, nothing. <laughs> it's not for anybody. I don't even know. Like, it feels like it's all trying to be like for somebody, but none of it's landing. And it just, everything is like missing each other in route to make a point. And then inevitably nobody makes their point. So I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to stand by it's for nobody. I don't think it's for anybody. Who do you think it was for? In trying to be for everybody, it was for nobody. Yes, that's that's what. Thank you. That's literally what I was trying to say. I think I this is one where it was like literally just a cash grab. I mean, and we I... do see that more and more. Like, I mean, because everything's a fucking remake of a remake of a remake. But yeah, um, this one at least some like you know there are some remakes where like it happens and it's like this is great. This was like an excellent choice. This one is literally just give me my money is what this felt like. So awful. Did you like it? (laughs) No, it's so bad. (laughs) Um, Did you like it? Hell no. Yeah. Uh -uh. (laughs) If I had pyro uh, tech. Oh, my God. If I could light shit on fire, I would light every (laughs) copy of this movie on fire. (laughs) Literally. Uh, It's so it's just I mean, it's not it's just not a good movie. It's not it, y'all. No. Anyways, 
We watched it so you don't have to. We did it. We did it for you. Thank you so much for listening. We love you so, so, so much. And on that note, please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Because honestly, when you do that, it helps us because more people like you, who we love and who love us, hopefully, fingers crossed, get to listen to our show and listen to our awesome voices and our great stuff and our wild opinions. So follow us on social media as well because we're there as well. Our artwork and music is by Eric Lefebvre. Lefebvre. I almost said Lefebvre again. I I mean, either Um, way, I love it. (laughs) Editing by Danny Barkley. And thank you again for listening. And thank you, Eric. Thank you, Jess. And remember, stay cute. And stay critical. Goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. TFN, TTFN. This podcast has been brought to you by the Nostalgia Network. Visit thenostalgianetwork.com for more. Hey everybody, I'm Eric. I'm Shelby. I'm Jake. And we are the band Lousy Advice from the Lousy Advice Podcast. Come listen as we draft artists and genre-centric best-of lists. With the help of our closest friends. These lists are canon. And there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it. From misfits to share. Green Day to Gaga. Or Pup to Paramore. Listen to the Lousy Advice Podcast now or else. Stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Nostalgia Network, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that we are the band Lousy Advice, and this is our podcast, the Lousy Advice Podcast. The Lousy Advice Podcast? The Lousy Advice Podcast. Podcast. Podcast.